Hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3 this morning. If you would like to follow along, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, Matthew, Matthew chapter 3 is right where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible or if you prefer, the scriptures are going to be up here on the screen as always. There was a man named Desmond Dodd who grew up in um, Lynchburg, Virginia, and he was a, uh, a dedicated Christian, and he was also a pacifist. But when World War II came around, he didn't believe that, that his, uh, he, he didn't think that his belief in, in, in uh, non-aggression, non-violence, should keep him from serving his country during the war. And even though he had an exemption from the draft because of his job, he chose to volunteer for the Army Medical Corps. In 1945, Desmond Doss and his battalion were sent to Okinawa Island to fight there. And um, they had to climb up a 400 foot sheer cliff using. Uh, just cargo nets. They nicknamed uh, this cliff Hacksaw Ridge. And these men had to climb up, the whole battalion had to climb up these nets to get up to this plateau, to get up to this ridge where the Japanese were were, uh, waiting for them. They were entrenched and waiting on them. And as the Americans begin to attack the, the, uh, the Japanese, their, their counterattack was, was just so devastating that they drove the Americans back off of the cliff and they had to retreat back down the cliff. Now, because every medic in Doss's uh, battalion had either been killed or wounded, Doss had to stay up on the ridge with the American casualties that were up there. And over the the next several hours, he treated the wounded and drugged them one by one, sometimes over hundreds of yards, back to the cliff where he lowered them down. Remember, this is 400 feet too. He lowered them down using just a rope sling, lowered them down to safety. Now, every time that Doss rescued one man, he prayed a prayer. He said, please, Lord, help me get just one more. Help me get just one more. By nightfall, official records say that he had rescued 75 men. But his battalion commander said it was well over 100 asked why he wanted to serve in the war even though he had such a strong religious conviction against it. He said, the world is tearing itself apart and it didn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to help to put it back together just a little bit. Now we're in a war. We're in a world at war. They're natural wars, they're economic wars, 
There are political wars. There are racial wars going on all around us all the time. But those are just the fruit of what's really going on, which is a spiritual war. We've been called to help put people back together through the love of Jesus. But we've got to have the heart that prays. Please, Lord, help me get just one more. Now, we are finishing up our series called Pizza and PJs. I know I'm talking about war, and we're talking about PJs in the same sentence. That doesn't seem to make sense. But pizza and PJs, all the comforts of home. That's why we're having a pizza party right after the service. My wife is excited because that's all she's getting for her anniversary. (laughs) Over the last few weeks, we've talked about the comfort of community, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the comfort of a loving father. If you've missed any of those messages, you can go to the website, nctyler.org, click the listen button, and you can hear those and a bunch of other messages if you would like to. But we're going to finish up this series this morning with a lesson called The Comfort in Serving Others. Just like Doss, he went into a war so he could rescue others, so he could serve others. And that really was the heart of Jesus. And I want to show you just for the next few minutes what serving really looks like. Now, I know when I start talking about serving, people are like, "Uh, okay. You know, if if you do go listen to some of our messages, it'll take you to to a page, and it tells you how many times the message has been listened to. And uh, uh, there's some of them that have been listened to. uh, That Mother's Day message that I did, for some reason, has been listened to almost 200 times. Uh, The last time Pastor Rogers spoke um, on purpose, it's been listened to about 120 times. Now, we know 100 of those was him. But uh, (laughs) I spoke on serving earlier in the year, too. And guess which message doesn't get a whole lot of traction? You know why? Because we just need to think about things differently. And that's what I really want to show you this morning. We're not trying to beat people up who aren't serving. We don't want to overuse those that are serving. We want to give you an opportunity to connect with the kingdom of God and see people put back together. Amen? So in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1, It said, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I know every time this this passage of scripture gets used, it's used for some evangelistic message, but I'm going to show you serving right here. If we're going to see people saved, if we're going to see people healed, if we're going to see people connected to God, it's going to be because we're serving them, all right? So the the first point of my message is why we serve. Why we serve is because heaven is near. Now, when we hear that, when we hear heaven, a lot of times what we think about is someplace way off somewhere where God is sitting on his throne and um, you know, maybe our, our loved ones who have passed away, that's where the, their, 
they are. But that's not what John is talking about. John is not talking about the physical place of heaven coming down closer to earth. What he's talking about is the authority of heaven coming closer to earth. And when he is saying that heaven is near, the reason he was saying that is because he knew prophetically that Jesus was on his way. John is saying heaven is near, but I'm here to tell you heaven is here. Heaven is here. The authority, the rule, the reign of God is here for us. And we've got to recognize that heaven is near. It's not far off someplace. It's so close that we can touch it. When Jesus brought heaven with him, when he came to this earth, he left heaven and he left that authority here with us. You need to understand that Jesus died. He paid for our sins. He paid our way to go into eternity with God somewhere. He paid for us to go to the physical place of heaven. That's what his death paid for. But his resurrection paid for us to live in heaven right here. Heaven is here. The presence and the purpose of God is here. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus speaking to his disciples after the resurrection, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. Now, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, and I am not some English major like my my oldest daughter was, but usually when you read the word all, it means all. Now, there may be some other definition out there that you know about. I'm not really aware of it. All means all. Can you agree? So when Jesus says all authority, he wasn't meaning some. He wasn't meaning part. He wasn't speaking in hyperbole. I know that's a big word for the Aggies in the room. The Aggies are still looking at me going, I don't know what it means. It's exaggeration for effect. When he said all, he was talking about all. All authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven, because God sent me with that. And now because of my resurrection, I have all authority on earth as well. And I'm giving it to you. I'm leaving you in charge. But do we really believe it? Someone is near to connecting with heaven this morning. There's somebody sitting in here that you're going to have the opportunity to connect with heaven this morning. What are we willing to do to help them connect? If we truly believe that Jesus had brought the kingdom of God, he had brought the kingdom of heaven, and that he has left us in charge, if we truly believed it, what's the one thing that we would probably do differently? I would say serving. Because in Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, think like Jesus thought. Who although he was in the form of God, although he was equal with God, laid it all aside to come to this earth as a servant. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served but to serve. And people all the time going, I just want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like him. Serve. 
You want to be more like Jesus? Serve. You want more of Jesus in your life? Serve. How do we connect with that authority of heaven? We repent. We repent. I know that's a big churchy word. Repent. But the word repent just means to think differently. Think differently about the subject and do opposite of what you had been doing. That's what repentance is. That the, allowing the Lord to change your mind on the subject. And it causes you to do opposite of what you had been doing. And what do we need to, re, to repent of? As good American Christians, what do we need to repent of? Thinking that it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me, Jesus. It's not about you. Thank you. Today is somebody's first day at this church, I guarantee you. And they're sitting there going, what have I gotten myself into? That pastor is a weirdo. <laughs> Thank you. I got a big amen on that one from the, from the dude in the shorts on the front row, second row. <laughs> Today is somebody's first time experiencing NCC. What are we willing to do to make sure that they experience heaven? What are we willing to do to make sure that somebody doesn't walk in here and walk out and they've not had an opportunity to connect with God? I have people telling me, you know, well, I'm just tired on Sundays. Rest later. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm really not. But if you're so tired on Sunday mornings, we're missing God anyway. Because you're probably in the back of sleep. I can see you back there. Open your eyes. If we're so tired that we can't serve somebody, if we're so tired that we can't come to church and help somebody else connect with God, we're missing the point. Now, I know, because there are times when I come in here and it's like, man, I just need worship. I am worn out. Lord, I need something. Oh, thank you. Just pour it on me, Lord. We all have those moments. We all have those times. But we've got to be of a heart that says, it's not about me. It's about somebody else connecting. And if you're afraid that you're going to miss out on something because you served somebody, you've really missed it. Because God's not going to allow you to miss out if you're serving somebody else. He's going to make sure that you get exactly what you need. So rest later. Visit at other times. Celebrate tomorrow. But on Sunday mornings, we've got to have the heart that this is what we do. This is where we go to battle. This is where we serve. That we're, we're fighting for people. There was a man walking along a beach, and he noticed that uh, a, a mass of starfish had, had been swept up as the tide came in. But now that the tide was receding, all these starfish had been stranded 
along the beach, and, and he knew that they were going to die because the sun would come and dry them out. A little bit further along the beach, there was a little boy who was just walking along, and he was picking up the starfish, and he was pitching them back in the water. And as the little boy made his way closer to the man throwing the, the fish back into the water, the man stopped him. He said, I've been watching what you're doing. And it's obvious that you have a good heart and that you have good intentions. But do you realize how many beaches there are around here? And do you realize how many starfish get swept up onto a beach and how many starfish die every day? Do you really think what you're doing is going to make any difference? And a little boy looks up at the man, and he looks down at his feet, and he picks up the starfish that's at his feet, and he throws it back in the ocean, and he said, makes a difference to that one. We serve because it makes a difference to that one. It makes a difference in somebody's life. Back in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, the prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, he's a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Here's our second point, how we serve. We serve by clearing the road. First of all, we've got to be aware. We've got to be aware that the Lord is coming. You know, when I was a kid, way back in the Stone Ages, back in the early 70s when I was just a little bitty kid, it's like everybody talked about the rapture. And if, if, if you're in here and you don't, you don't understand what that means, that's a, that's a man-made word for Jesus coming back and, and, and calling his people up to heaven in mass. And when I was a kid, I'm talking about like six years old, there was a book going around called The Late Great Planet Earth. And they made a movie out of it. I mean, it, it, it was obviously such a great book, they had to make a movie out of it. And my parents took me to this movie. And the whole movie was just interviews with people talking about how the world is falling apart, how everything is so terrible. And, and this man that had written the book, he's, he says, these are all signs that Jesus is coming back very, very soon. So you got to get right or you're going to get left. You get that? Get right with God or you're going to get left behind. That scared the tinkle out of me. A few years later, my parents had gone off shopping or doing something, and they had told me they were going to be gone for a couple of hours, but like five hours had gone by. And this is before cell phones. I couldn't just give them a call. I'm starting to get nervous. I'm looking out the windows, and I'm not seeing a lot of people on the streets. I'm thinking, I got left. <laughs> now, I, I know that's a little bit silly, but we've got to have the heart that the Lord is coming soon. 
The Lord is coming soon. Whether he's coming back to call his church to him, he's coming here soon. His presence, his rule, his authority is coming here soon. And we need to have that heart. In Matthew 25, there's a, a story, and I'll just quickly give this, that, um, that Jesus told about, about 10 bridesmaids. Five of them were smart enough to take extra oil for their lamp. Five of them were not smart enough to take extra oil for their lamp. And they had gone to meet the bridegroom. But when the bridegroom didn't come at the time they thought he was going to come, the five foolish bridegrooms didn't have enough oil in their lamp when the bridegroom did show up. What does that mean? We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We don't need to miss out. We need to take seriously that the Lord is about to do something outstanding in us and through us. Don't miss out. But it takes work. We've got to remove obstacles so others can experience heaven with us. My first time at NCC, the first time I ever walked through the doors of this church, we were not here. Some of you remember the old building, so I promise you that when I walked through the doors over there, it was not the decor that captured my heart. It was a bit old, it was a bit dirty. It wasn't the worship. We had great worship this morning. Way back then, we had Yvette Fisher and the karaoke machine. It wasn't the preaching. I don't remember anything that was said. You know what caused me to come back a second time? And you got to remember, or let me... I'm still talking like everybody knows everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not everybody knows my history. I had, I had been in church. I had been hurt in ministry, and I had been outside the church for, for about five years. And we decided that, you know, we, we wanted our kids were small at the time. We wanted our kids to be raised in church, so we needed to find some place with a, with a children's ministry for them. Obviously, I didn't need anything. I was okay. But we needed something for the kids. It was back in those days when I would say things like this, Lord, I love you, but I can't stand your children. And don't act like some of you have never said that. You know what brought me back the second time? The first time in five years that I had been in a church. You know what brought me back the second time? If it wasn't the preaching, and it wasn't the cool lights, and it wasn't the preaching... It was the dude at the front door. The dude at the front door who met me wearing overalls, bib overalls. Got his hands stuck inside of his... Welcome to NCC. But you know what? It was just non-religious enough for me at the time. It's what I needed. So if you think... Being a greeter in this church means nothing. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that greeter. 
Clap for the greeters. We've got to clear the road for the coming of the Lord by serving those he's coming for. Back in Matthew chapter 3, we'll get our third point and we'll get done here. Because I know you just came for pizza. I expected a bunch of amens. Thank you. Matthew chapter 3, now in verse 4. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locust and wild honey. Here's my third point. When you serve, be yourself. John the Baptist didn't look like what they thought preachers should look like back then. So be yourself. God's not scared of you. He's not offended by you. He's not ashamed of you. You're uniquely qualified to serve somewhere. Serve from your gifting. And let me just say this. I, have, I talk about giftings a lot. And I had somebody ask me a few weeks ago, said, explain this gifting stuff to me. I don't know how you get them, and I don't know what mine are. If you happen to be in that place, please make an appointment with me. And I mean this. Make an appointment with me. I will help you recognize your giftings. I will help you see who God has called you to be because that's what a pastor does. Serve from your giftings. We need evangelists at the front door. What is an evangelist? That's somebody that is so open and so welcome to everybody that you just feel like you've got to be a part. We've got an evangelist at the front door. Miss Debbie. If you've not experienced Miss Debbie, you've not experienced NCC yet. Because she's an evangelist at that front door. She's looking for people she she does not know. So she can introduce herself and introduce people in the church and take them around because she wants them to feel comfortable. She wants them to know that their kids are being taken care of. Why? So they can come in here and the obstacles and the excuses have been removed so they can connect with God. Thank you, Miss Debbie. So we need evangelists at the front door. We need pastors leading covenant groups. We're getting ready to to kick off our group system again. If you've got a pastor's heart, we need to plug you into groups. We need prophets in intercession. We need people with a prophetic gifting that can discern the things that are going on so they can pray about the things that are going on. We need teachers in kids' ministry. Everybody starts slinking down in their chairs. Let me tell you something. Children's ministry is very, very important to this church. So much so that the founding pastor of this church, he and his wife are back in the elementary school room right now doing a children's service. It's so important that next week, Lisa and I are going to be back there. See, don't think that, that we're just babysitting kids back there. 
We're having church back there. Man, they have times with the Holy Spirit back there. So we're not babysitting back there. We're babysitting you in here so they can have church. We need teachers back there. We need apostles directing teams. In other words, we need you. And let me just declare this. The John the Baptist generation is about to rise up in our midst. You don't look like, dress like, talk like, act like, serve like traditional church folk, but that's okay. You know why? Because you're revolutionaries. You're anointed to overthrow the spirit of dead religion in East Texas. The traditions of men don't interest you. You only want the pure presence of Jesus. And it's not about age, although you need to have a young heart. It's not about gender. It's not about race. It's not about gifting. The unifying factor of this John the Baptist generation is people that are just present, passionate for the kingdom of God. The man named Howard Thurman, who was a preacher and a civil rights activist, and he said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask, what makes you come alive? And go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So be yourself. Use your gift. Help us revolutionize what church is and what it looks like. Because there are people out there that desperately, desperately need God. And I'll end with this story. In Ohio in 1989, there was a man named Roy Blankenship who just happened to be standing at his kitchen window one morning. And he's looking out as uh, uh, torrential rain is just pouring, and it's been pouring for the last few days. And really what he's looking at, there, there was a, a big storm, stra- storm drainage ditch that ran up alongside of his property, and it was, a, it was a big ditch. It was about six feet deep and 12 feet across, and this ditch, because of the rain, had begun to, to fill up, and he's just watching this water race by. But what he saw that horrified him was a little girl had fallen in and she was being swept down to where he knew that this drainage ditch emptied into some pipes that ran up underneath a highway. And if she got caught up under there, it was going to be over. So Roy ran out of his house and he starts running along the ditch there He's trying to grab the little girl, but, but the water's moving faster than he can run. So he jumped in. And he's fighting against the water. He's fighting against just the, the current that, that's, that's sucking them down towards this place that, that they didn't want to go. He was finally able to grab hold of the little girl's hand. And three feet from where that ditch emptied, into those pipes, 
There was a limb that had gotten stuck right there, and he was able to grab hold of it just before they were swept in. So now he's holding on for dear life, and he's holding on to the little girl. Thankfully, somebody else had seen what was going on, and they had called 911. And the fire department came out there, and they rescued, uh, they rescued both of them, rescued Roy, rescued the little girl. Now, Roy becomes a, a local celebrity. He's being hailed as a hero. In fact, he, he gets a, a medal of bravery from the, the Coast Guard. But what people didn't know about Ray was that he couldn't swim. You see, serving is not about knowing how to swim. It's about knowing that somebody might drown if you don't. What do I want you to know this morning? We serve because heaven is near. And somebody needs your piece of heaven. Serving involves work. We're clearing the roads so Jesus can get to people. And that you are uniquely gifted to serve. Be yourself. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel the satisfaction that only comes when you step outside of your own needs and help someone else experience heaven. What do I want you to do? I want us all to think differently about serving. I want you to discover your gifting and use them to serve a growing church. I want you to have the heart to pray along with the rest of us. Lord, help us get just one more into the kingdom.